Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to pray for our, um, our fathers in our midst here in a minute, but I want to make mention of an announcement first, and that's youth meeting is on Wednesday nights, I believe it's 6.30, 6.30 to 8, and over at the Raboon's house, so if you need information on that, it's in the bulletin, you can uh, look that up, and would you please uh, welcome Born and Ashley Dulos, who yeah. guest led this morning. So grateful. Thank you. So, uh, the rest of the part of the team is out celebrating Forrest's birthday to this weekend. So they went camping, and uh, so we were able to to uh, find really good replacement people. Really wonderful. So, okay, would you do some? Okay, announcement. Hang on. Speaking of birthdays. This guy's 70 today. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Lloyd. Happy birthday to you. I don't think it's insignificant that it's on Father's Day because he's such a good one. So God gave him the double whammy. Right after church today, we're going to have cake and celebrate Lloyd in the, in the cafeteria here. So if you would all just take 15 or 20 minutes and hang out and eat cake. Let them eat cake, okay? And there should be 69 more verses. to No. <laughs> Let me have all the dads stand. If you were a single parent and you feel like you did fathering, I want you to join us and stand too. So, would you pray with me? Lord, we bless these fathers in our midst and grandpas. Lord, often what the world and even sometimes the church has to say is not a thank you, but an exhortation to do better on Father's Day. Lord, we stand and we grace these men. We bless these men. We say, you've done a good job. The grace of God is upon you. You've spoken truth. You've loved well. We're so delighted in who you are. The Father is so delighted in who you are. In our present age, it feels difficult to stand and be a man of God. Lord, we just say to you, you're doing well. You're doing well, son. Keep going. You're doing well. And we as 
family members and children and spouses. We bless you this morning that this day would just be the tip of the iceberg for the blessings that would flow into your life this year. And we want you to know God loves you. The Father loves you, oh man. The Father loves you. God of creation loves you. The God we sang about loves you. And He honors you this day and blesses you with all your friends and family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, team. I can't do this without a stand, so... Welcome again. Another transition. Tomorrow's the first day of summer. It's been hot, huh? It's already summer. Didn't it, isn't it weird? March, April, and May were all cold and wet, and now it just switched to hot. Uh, but I'm a summer person, and I love summer. And uh, thank you for wishing me and singing me a happy birthday. So, um, it's, uh, I've had lots of questions about it and what it feels like to turn 70 and doesn't feel a whole lot different. Uh, maybe tomorrow it will, because then I'll be a, as a friend pointed out to me, you'll be actually be a day older than 70. So, and doing that, God has been good to me. I did not know him as a, as a child or as a teenager, but in my young adult years, he came and captured me and and saved me he pulled me out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon a rock and I have had singing that song that just undoes you I've had such a good good life I have been blessed I had lots of hard times and like many of you I've buried loved ones and miss them and all that but um my daughter wrote me a birthday letter and in it she was just talking about how grateful she is even with having the reality of when you turn 70, it's, it's kind of like there's, there's not any more uphill climbing. <laughs> this is like, it's kind of a downward slope. She said, but we have eternity. And she just started speaking to me about eternity in this letter. And ah, that's so important, isn't it? You know, our days here are numbered. You know, there's two things that are really ordained personally for you uh, of God and from God. That's, he knows the day that you were supposed to be and you were born. It's right there in the Word. Matter of fact, he knew you before you were in your mother's womb. If you go way back and read Ephesians, he chose you to be with him in blamelessness. Before the foundations of the earth. That means before he spoke a pebble into being. You were right there in him. Isn't that amazing? How does that work? I don't know. It's beyond us. We're human. He's God. I don't know how all that works. But even our days. So the other thing that's ordained is the time you go into eternity. That's ordained of God. It's already set. You can't. I, I had a, 
you know, I always have these. They're not near-death experiences, but they're just scary. I think you have them too. I'm walking out of Home Depot the other day, and I step out, and somebody was going through that parking lot at like 25 miles per hour, you know, which doesn't seem fast unless you're standing there. And this truck just goes, whoa, you know, and didn't even see me. I yelled, you know, hey, me, I'm walking here. And, uh, and I just went, what? No, I started going, thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It wasn't time. You don't go until you're supposed to go. That's a great blessing to know that, that you can always depend on those things. You will not die premature. It's already, it's already known. Isn't that a comforting thought? I mean, it just strengthens your own heart. That had nothing to do. That was free. That wasn't a sermon. So we are, um, for our guests and everything, we've been on a journey and started this at the beginning of, I don't know, April or May, and just a series of life lessons. I picked up this book that was an old book that was given to me by another pastor years ago, and I've never read it. It's one of those kind of things. And it was on my bookshelves, and it says, 20 things I want my kids to know. I looked at them, and I agreed with about three of them, you know, as, as books are. But I went, oh, and I knew that this time was coming, that this birth date was coming. I went, wait a minute, what do I want? What do I want those who are willing to listen and hang out to me, talk about God? What do I want them to know? And then what are the life lessons? What, do I really, what are the things that are really value points in my life that I learned that I would love others to get a taste of? So one, it will influence you. And the second, so that you can incorporate them into your life with God. And that they would be a, a stepping stone or a trigger mechanism so you would start thinking about your own values. And so where I started was about our identity. And who, you know, and such a huge thing today in our society, but how we identify and what we, where we identify. And so we've been on a journey of looking at that. So we're on a a third question, which it started with who, um, whose am I? And then who am I? And then what am I? This whole thing. We were designed by God in each of us, no matter how old or young you are, you have these two drives within you. One is for intimacy. We want to love and we want to be loved. It's it's how God made us in his image, one of the ways that God made us. We want that in our lives. Matter of fact, we often, uh, when we can't find areas to give or receive love in, we become lonely and it's hard. Anybody gone through that? Oh, you know, it's hard to be alone at times. And that's why we have the family of God to shore that up. So we have that drive. And the other drive that we have is that I count. Uh, Sociologists and people who study learning and stuff would call that impact or significance. The thing you're going to do with your life and how you do. What you go after. What you pursue as a vocation and avocations. The things that are really dear and close to you in your heart. So those things are given by God to us and what it means, but they're found, the answers to all those are found in our relationship to God. When I become secure that I belong to somebody, I'm free to be somebody. So it all has to start with, whose am I? And we went through the, the 
the things that apply to that in our lives. So we did this and that. I'm going to get through these real quick. This is really important. I just want to touch this again as we look at this. I don't believe in equations anymore, but if there's one that I touch on that I go, yeah, this really applies, it's this. If we get this down in our hearts, I am made in God's image and what that means, plus I am loved unconditionally. It's amazing to me how many people put conditions on God's unconditional love. Everybody agrees, God loves you no matter what, and then we have a list of 23 things that are a little questionable, and if you don't get those straightened out, by golly, you're in deep trouble. Well, it's not the way to get right. If you really believe, I actually don't like the word unconditional. I like the word unimpeded. There's nothing, if you read Romans 8, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It's impossible. It's an impossibility. God loves you. If you add another plus to that, I'm able to respond and trust. And we call that trust faith and having relationship with. But if I'm able to do that, that really... What is that whole thing equal to? It's who I am. We just sang it. We just sang a whole song about it. He's a good, good father. And I'm truly loved. And I can respond to that. And then you start saying, what does that mean? It's who I am. It's, it's really who I am. Um, we often talk about in, in church and in Christianity being Christ-like. Um, and wanting to be more Christ-like in this pursuit. And we're trying to do that all in the flesh, when in actuality, here's what 1 John 4 says, as he is, so are you on the earth. Uh, That's mic drop time. As he is, so are you on the earth. What would happen if we really start believing that? I know what happens when you really start preaching that. (laughs) I found out. (laughs) I really believe that. That I am Christ-like because of what he did, not because of what I'm doing. Me trying to be Christ-like doesn't add to my Christ-likeness. Nor not doing it well doesn't take away from it. I am Christ-like because Christ joined his spirit to my spirit. 1 Corinthians 6 says, He who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. A stunning, it's a stunning act of grace. All right. So, how do we get it? It's God who chooses us. You did not choose me, I chose you. We looked at that. And these are the things that God values in trying to figure out what is this impact I want to have with my life? What, why am I here? What am I here for? I think one is that leading is learned through serving. Jesus uh, goes beyond himself. He said, I, I didn't come here to be served. I came here to serve. And if you want to be great in my economy, be the servant of all. And lay your life down for many people. And God counts that. Like you go, well, how does God measure stuff? Well, God measures stuff through Christ. 
But the other thing that he does is he looks at this and goes, look, when you learn to serve, and here's what's really key, if you can do it in hiddenness, oh, I would tell you a secret about God's heart and what I've learned after 70 years. He likes those kind of secrets where you just do it and it's not that you're not trying to be humble or not take credit for it or anything, but you just do it in secret. There's nothing better than keeping a secret with God. There's nothing better, I'm telling you. There's nothing that feels more wonderful. And then when you hear it, somebody talking about this secret thing that you did with the Lord to help somebody or to bless somebody or do something to somebody, something happens between your heart and the Lord. And people always say, I want a heart like David. Be careful with that because David made lots of mistakes and God used him as an example, Isaiah tells us, to, for us to learn. Um, give me a heart like David. Well, give me a heart like Jesus. Because <laughs> David had the same feelings I did. You know, he did like adultery and murder and all the biggies that if you use the measuring stick don't work. When you go and you manage through life and you learn how to serve in secret, there's something that builds... So often, you know, have you, we haven't done this a long time in this church, but when you do testimonies, you know, you want to give a testimony and, and it's something that God's done incredible. But there is something that's behind the public sharing that when you have a testimony with God and it's a secret between you and the Lord, I'm telling you, it, it works... <laughs> You know, well, don't you share it with somebody? No, I have some I didn't even share with Brenda. Through the years, there's just been these secrets that I have with the Lord. And I got to see them come to pass. But I don't have to prove it to anybody. I don't have to, God showed me he was going to do that. No, he just invited me to say a prayer. I prayed, and it came to pass. And I went, oh, God, God, you're incredible. And... So here's Lloyd's alliteration on that. So he looks down and goes, Lloyd, you're just fun to do this with. I just love hanging out. Can I share another secret with you? And you have this built up, hidden testimony in God that is so incredible. There were the scriptures that went with this. Here's the third thing. In the journey of finding what am I supposed to do? How does my life count? It's this. God measures faithfulness, not give, you know, giftedness. We all don't have the same gifts. I wish I could sing better than I do. I can sing okay, but you don't want to hear it too loud. And, you know, I didn't get that gifting. I didn't get giftings that I see other people have but, but to start comparing is really that's that pride shame thing and you, you can stumble through that so does God love let, let's go back and look at Billy Graham God gave Billy Graham something to do but I guarantee you he didn't measure the way we do we go he led millions to the Lord God would say he was faithful to what I asked him to do. God doesn't see it as, oh, I gave him all this gift, and blah, 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 blah. 
you know, and he did this and this and this and this. No, he was faithful. So God measures each of us. So in it, we find the parable of the talents. Now, I know talent, today talent means something different. It was about money. I understand that. But the principle behind this parable is phenomenal. Because it shows how God measures things. He said, hey, I, I have one guy. I gave him two talents. I gave another guy five talents. I gave one guy one talent. What they do with it is the operational question. What did they do with what God gave them? And so we see, and, I, and you can read it later. It's, uh, it's so well known, and it's in Matthew 25. God looks at the one who took the two and invested and got four. God goes, incredible. You were faithful in little, now be faithful in much. So here's the way God's faithfulness works. When he finds you being faithful, he rewards faithfulness with more faithfulness and faithful opportunities to just do that. And the five, he gave to five. And then, you know, the one, one guy, we always blame this guy that he would, you know, this. But he had, here's really the guy who didn't invest it but hid it. He didn't understand who God is and wasn't responding relationally to him. And he even said, I know you're a hard and fearful, you know, and Jesus speaking in a parable, and a parable isn't necessarily real life, but he's trying to reveal real life. And he calls him, you're wicked. Because it wasn't about me. It was about you. It was you trying to do something of what you thought was about me. And you had a fear of me that shouldn't have been there. You saw me in a way that was very different. And if you will, was ugly. Didn't reflect me, you being made in my image. And you weren't responding out of your heart. So you're going to lose what you have. And you go, well, would God really do that? He's speaking in a parable. He's telling a story. Have you ever noticed how hard the parables are still to understand today? And that he did that on prayer. Have you ever wondered why God did it that way? And even when he explained what the parable was to the people in the circle closest to him, they understood about this much of it. They're going, what? And you read the explanation and go, what? And we try to find this journey in God. I think that's part of, you know, it's funny that the Proverbs says it's a, it's a, glory, of a, king, or a glory of God to hide a matter and the glory of a king to search a matter out. God likes that give and take and of you going on a journey with him. And that's part of faithfulness, to take that and to invest it. So if you looked at it in, the, in terms of not money, but an investment, if God has shown you to do something, do it. Just do it. Faithfulness, and I can't believe this. That I see this over and over and over again, and I have, I, you know, I do have my own issues regarding. Everybody's got issues around church. It's because church is all of us being together, and all, all of us are imperfect. But of one guy stating, "The Lord showed me that you should all do this," and I want to go. That's not leadership. That's not leadership at all. 
and telling other people they have to do this and this and this, why not show them the value and let them walk into it and embrace it? So, um, and this is, this is a tidbit. This is a side, so for those of you that weren't there with us in the early days, when we got back from Northern Ireland and church planted, whatever that means, but we started New Day, for the first two years I would have people come and say, what's the vision? And I'd go, I don't have a vision. Well, where's it going to go? I don't know, wherever God wants to take it. And, well, what's important to you then? Oh, let's talk about values. And I taught values, not vision, because a vision should come out of your shared values, not your shared values out of a vision. And as it gets in us, and so... What we spend a lot of time talking because of the parable of talents about values here. What do you value in your life? Because God's given each of you giftings that you're supposed to do something with, but if you don't have and don't know what you value and what your core values are, then how do you invest it wisely? How do you get there? So this this parable is so deeply important. So, life lessons. These are some of the things that I would want and have taught my kids and my friends. You know, what are some of the key areas of faithfulness when it comes to your identity and, and who you are? And here's where I landed. Just a few. You know, there's more than these. But for me, these were like, uh, not little values. These were big value areas in God, in Christ. So the first one being this. Are you faithful with what you have? What God has given you? It is so deeply important. Um, now part of it's the way I grew up and my, my parents were, were uh late teens and young adults during the Great Depression in America, and I grew up in a very poor family. Matter of fact, here's, here's the funny thing about that. I didn't know we were poor until I got, like, into high school. I didn't, and we lived in a small town and in a dumpy little house by the railroad tracks. You know that story, you know, the train coming through three times a day, one of them at 10 o'clock at night. That's how we knew to watch the news, and then my mom would make tea and a cheese sandwich. Why, well, I love cheese still today. And you had tea and cheese sandwiches before you went to bed. But it's this. Are you faithful with the things that you have in your life that God's given you, the relationships, the possessions? We didn't have money and we were poor, but it was clean. And it was taken care of. My dad was a drunk. He was a town drunk, but our lawn was always mowed. And it always looked right. And if something was broken, you fixed it or replaced it. And if that meant sacrificing, that's what you did. So we, we learn, I learned by faithfulness just to take care of the things that were mine and uh, to be made to put toys up when I was little because they might get broken or lost. And then my mom would tell me the depression era stories of what they played with as toys, and they used clothespins for cars because they couldn't afford 
toy cars. And all of those things had such an impact. You know, am I, but that's really what God, if he gives you stuff, be faithful to it. Don't grumble and complain about it. So that carried over into my adult life. And so uh, during some of the early ministry years when we didn't have a lot of salary and we were raising three kids and it was hard and everything, but I still loved to fish and I wanted a boat so bad. So I sold one boat and got an old boat that leaked like a sieve until I got my hands on it. Then I patched it all up, I cleaned it all up, I refurbished an old motor, and yeah, it ran like an old motor. <laughs> it coughed and barked, and sometimes the carburetor didn't work right, and I'd get frustrated and have to redo it, but I kept working on that. You know how many fish we caught out of that boat? Some of that stuff was a good fisherman, but, um, but it, I took care of it. I took care of what God gave to me. And then there were rewards that happened with that. And blessings that came later in unlooked for places. But I took care of the things that I was given. And I passed that on and took care of it. It's really, really important. The other thing is this. Be faithful to your word. Not just the word of God, because we'll get to that later. Be faithful to your word. It means honoring by doing what you said you would do. You honor other people when you do what you said you were going to do. Um, there's an interesting book that's called The Top Ten Mistakes That Leaders Make. And I, you know, I did a lot of study on this through the years and everything. But the number one mistake of all leaders in which they lose credibility with their followers is they didn't do what they said they were going to do. Think of politics today, how mad everybody is, is because we voted people in that didn't do what they said they were going to do. When somebody does it, when you do that to somebody, oh, and this is especially true, when you have kids, if you make them a promise to do something, do it. There's enough movies about that to last a lifetime. Do what you said you were going to do because it works something in a kid of mistrust. And here's the other thing. It affects how they view God. What happens when there's mistakes and it can't be? We'll get to that in a minute. But just do what you said you were going to do because it adds to your name. In what way? He's a faithful man. He always does what he says he's going to do. If you say that you're going to be there, be there. If you can't be there, call ahead of time and let them know why. And at least explain the situation. Um, the word credibility isn't quite the same as faithful, but you should see its root where it comes from. It comes from the same root word, credo, creed. The things I state that I know are true and I stand upon them. This is, we do one where we even say in here, the Apostles' Creed. This is what I believe. So credibility is tied to what you believe. And when you live in faithfulness, you become a person of credibility and others start trusting you. And here's something else that works. You start trusting you. 
Now, if I could go around the room, and I won't, I wouldn't embarrass, especially the introverts that way, I understand. I'm mostly introvert myself. And I sit, and if I ask you a question, do you trust you? Oh, no, I only trust the Lord. The Lord's in you. Do you trust you? Are you obeying to have a relationship with God, or are you obeying because you do have a relationship with God? There's a big difference. If you're doing one to get it, you're wasting your time. But if you're doing one as a reflection of who you are with God, oh man, the credibility that starts happening in which you can trust yourself. I don't trust myself in any situation. You're not growing in Christ-likeness then. Trust. Trust that God will work it in you. And here's the other thing. If you want to really get there, do some scripture memory. If you want to learn to trust yourself, memorize scripture. Why? Because God uses it in the most strange times. It is just absolutely amazing. It'll pop back into your head just when you think it's going to be your worst day. And you're going, here I go again. And all of a sudden that scripture that you've memorized because it addresses that weakness in your life and it goes bam and it becomes the strength and you go I can do this I can do this it's all part of grace don't be a talebearer. what's that got to do with faithfulness everything everything It means don't be a gossip and don't be a slanderer. You become a faithful and trustworthy person when other people can come to you and tell you stuff and they know it won't go anywhere. Now, social learning tells us that it's the principle of threes. So if somebody comes and if you buy into this principle, you're stumbling. And it's this. I'll tell you, but you can't tell anybody. Well, that person that you just told is going to tell three other people that they'll tell you and not tell anybody. So it's known as the rule of threes. Kick that rule out of your economy in what you know about godliness. And it can be true stuff. Did you hear? And here's the thing. Take away being an information broker in your life. If you're not part of the problem and you're not part of the solution, you don't need to know. Huh? That's really smart. Yeah, it is. She just said, mind your own business. It is. It is. And that, you know, that, we don't, not meaning it in a harsh way, but it's just don't, don't, don't be a talebearer. Don't tell other people things about other people. If you're going to praise them, praise them. If not, shut up. I don't know of a better blunt way to put it. Don't talk bad about people. Well, what if it's just, you know, like you and your brother or sister or you and your your husband or wife? And it says, I understand that. And here's what I would say. Guard it carefully. Very careful. Okay, I'm going to get through these. Do all your work with excellence and finish every job. 
always, <laughs> I trust people that finish what they started. Jesus does this whole thing. He says, look, somebody didn't go to war and hasn't explored all the costs of what this is going to cost. How can you finish well? And when you don't finish stuff, and you know, you can say, well, it's a weak area in my life. Work on it. Finish it. And when you're doing the little tasks, um, Brendan Manning wrote a whole book on this called, called The Signature of Jesus. Everything that you do, leave the signature of Jesus behind. Ask yourself this, how would Jesus do it? If he was asked to, let's do something like, take the leaf blower and blow the driveway off. Well, you can go out there and go, okay, it's done. Or you can go out there and go, no, get all the dirt, get all the leaves, and do it with excellence. Why? It leaves the signature of Jesus, because that's how he would do it. He would, if he was told to, and are asked to do something, he would do it with excellence. It's so important. Stay faithful to your spouse. Well, duh, you make a vow to do all that. It's actually, it's actually more about a promise to remain true. And it's a, a, a key area. And I would say everything in the world, here, here's one of the little areas that you can do this with. So if you're newly married or young married or even if you've been married a long time, I'll tell you something that keeps and helps you remain faithful. Don't flirt. The definition of flirt is playing at love. Don't play at love. Don't flirt. You, that's where the faithfulness starts. All, every sitcom we watch, every movie you see it in, and the waitress, I have such a key lesson with this. So my wedding ring quit fitting me a long time ago. Uh, unfortunately, as I went through the faithfulness of marriage, I put on weight and I got larger. And so that ring hasn't fit me for years. And I don't know, this is like sixth or seventh year of running a discipleship program. And I had to go speak down in Bolivar uh, at, at, a, at Southwest Baptist and do a chapel. And I took three of my uh, students with me and they were all a little bit older. And we stopped at a Denny's. And we were ordering food, and this waitress was a flirt. And so these three young guys that were with me, she was batting the eyes and mincing the walk and talking the talk and doing all the stuff that you ever see in any movie, you know, the come-hither looks. and Oh, darling, I'll get that for you right away. Uh, you know, go stop. And so one of the guys that was with me said, how come you're not flirting with him? Because he's an old guy, so he's trying to, you know, poke at me and get, you know, be fun with me. She looked at him and she went, "Him? He's married." He went, "He didn't have a ring on. How do you know that?" She said, "Oh, honey, he is so married." <laughs> Just one look. That's all it took, because it didn't get a response. Eye gate. I gate. I knew what she was doing. I, I'd probably, if I was working and wanted a tip, I'd 
you know, I can't blame her at all. But don't be, if there, if there's not a flirt there, it can't capture your eyes. If it can't capture your eyes, it can't get in your heart. If it can't get in your heart, you'll stop it. Where it's easy to stop before it hurts you and your faithfulness. It's right there. Can I finish this? Yeah. Two more. Especially in church. How do I be faithful in church? It's not about attendance. It's about this. Stand by your friends and your loved ones when they fail. Go through it with them. You don't have to agree with them and they might have done something really ugly. They might have done something that it will even humiliate you when you stand with them. It's not saying, oh, it doesn't matter what they did. What matters is that on their worst day, there was somebody Christ-likeness enough to stand and say, I'll, I'll go through this with you. Come here, hold my hand. Let's walk this out together. You're going to have to own stuff. It's probably going to get ugly. I won't leave you. I'll keep praying with you and I won't try and fix you. God's the fixer of hearts, not me. But I will stand with you and I'll hold your hand because I may need this on my worst day. And that's faithfulness. So the Proverbs 17 says... Faithful are the wounds of a friend. A friend loves at all times. And I don't know, somehow, much of the... So many people, when they're angry at church, it's over that issue. Some, they turned against them when they had their failure. We should be the place where everybody runs to in failure. Uh, I don't know if you've looked around, but... We're not high and mighty... We're not perfect. We're, we're in Jesus. The last one's this. <sighs> Own your mistake. Yeah, me too. But that's what integrity is. Inte- the word integrity comes from integer, which is a whole number. It's not visible. But listen, being whole means that I don't walk in perfection, but I own my imperfections. When I make a mistake, I say I'm sorry. Without excuses, without, I'm, I am perfectly capable of hurting anyone at any given moment in time. And when I do, I just go, oh, I'm sorry. I forget names. I, you know, like all of us, I can be the biggest doof in the world, you know. It's just like, why did you say that that way? Because uh, I'm stupid and I'm not good at watching my words. And it comes out oh, like a minute this way. And, it, you know, and especially having lived in Northern Ireland. And if you know anything about Irish compliments, you know, I love their poetry after six Guinness. Own, just own it right away. It will so build your integrity. So there's measures of faithfulness. Next week we'll look at choices. How we make choices out of the things that we value. It's really important. 
Let me pray with you. Father, show and speak to us, even this day on Father's Day, the faithfulness of your Son. Show us again what the word believe means. Show us again what trust means. Reveal to us the magnitude of Jesus trusting His Father. Show us how to be that kind of kid. Show us how to be that kind of adult. Show us, God. Reveal it to our hearts. Lord, I would for each of us that the Proverbs would be an anchor for us. Because you say in the Proverbs that the man who walks in faithfulness walks securely. Help us to walk securely in who you are. We will trust you and we will delight in you and we will worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you love each other on this day?